0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have with me one of my friends, Cassandra Corona. We have like a history in a sense we used to hang out when we were like kids pretty much and I've been following her on Facebook for a while now and I'm just like, I just love this girl and I love watching everything she does. She's a serial entrepreneur. She has multiple businesses. She specializes in leadership development. She does coaching. She does all kinds of really cool things. And she's opened a ton of CBD stores and helps people open businesses. And she has so much value to offer. And I was like, Hey, do you want to chat about my, on my podcast about like all of these things? And uh, more, and she was like, "Absolutely!" So we got together, and I'm so excited to share with you this conversation about leadership, growth, business, and so much more. So, Cassandra, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Gina. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for um, inviting me, and I just want to start off by saying that you are doing some amazing things. Literally, I see you too, and. You are like using your platform in such great ways and like inspirational. And I'm just so humbled and honored to be here speaking with you. And it's so nice to like how life goes full circle, right? Like we've known each other and now we're coming back and we don't know what the future holds, but let's, I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I love to see women win. Like I love to see other women winning. And you just got married, had a beautiful wedding. You're crushing it. And I was like, I just love watching her crush it. So <laughs> uh, for those who who don't know you, and my audience is hairstylists, salon owners, business owners. I know I got a few nurses on here. What's up, nurses? Um, I always have people message me like, I'm a nurse and I listen to your pockets. I'm like, love you. Um, welcome to everybody who's listening. But can you give them a bird's eye view of Cassandra and just share with us a little bit about what you do.
1: Yeah. So, um, my name is Cassandra, but people know me as Cassie Corona. Um, and I'm just so excited to be here a little bit. What I do is I am, I try not to identify myself as like my career, right? Like I always feel like I'm like, I'm an organizational psychologist. Uh, and people are like, what is that? Do you organize like the interior of my home? It's like, no, I actually structure businesses and help individuals. Like, uh, Attain their goals and attain maximum potential, but ultimately, I am—I um, before all of that, I'm a sober individual. I'm an advocate for sobriety, and I wouldn't have everything I have without my sobriety. So um, right now, I'm—I run a couple businesses. I do—I have a CBD store. I also do consulting, organizational development, and then I help other individuals build their dream lives per se I love um, that. yeah it's, it's fascinating I love it and like you said just a moment ago you love to see women win I love to see everyone win and anyone that's in my circle that's not winning I don't benefit from so it's like I want everyone to win you know and it's not necessarily like a transactional thing but personally I just view life as like there's so much potential there's so much opportunity and if you're not grabbing life by its horns and riding that like What do we got to do we got to get you motivated so um i am so happy to be here i have been doing so much just got married and that was a lot of work i literally planned the wedding on my own and that took a lot of my energy so i'm really like surfacing and i'm also a board member of the brookline chamber of commerce so that's nice i can help other business owners um, structure their talent, their job descriptions, and then like assessing their needs so that I can help them.
0: Love that. I love that you opened with that. You're a sober individual. And that was one of the things that I kept seeing you be so open about. And I'm open about my sobriety as well. And I love to see other people share that if they're open to it, you know, cause you, you can't help so many people by sharing your story with that. Are you open to
1: talking about that? Absolutely. Um, so it's so funny because I love talking about my sobriety. I'm so open about it. And I feel like they say this, there's jokes about sober people that if you don't talk about being sober in like the first five minutes <laughs> meeting someone, then there might be something wrong with you because we're just so open and so excited about this beautiful life and this like new way of living. Um personally for me I decided to be get sober because I knew that it was not I was I was actually fearful I was fearful of what my life would look like I mean I always wanted the best of the best in life right so if I had weed I wanted the best weed I didn't want just like the regular weed you know what I mean I would go to like Humboldt County in California and like go to the great just find the best of the best you know go to San Francisco get cookies and like Always wanted the best of the best. And then like with wine, it was like, I couldn't just drink wine, you know? I had to like become a level one sommelier, then a level two to learn all the wines. And then here I am drinking four bottles of wine, like this amazing Chablis, is, you know, talking all this wine. And it's like, was it really for um, the actual pleasure of it? Or was it just for me to escape? What was it? Trying like to the obsession. Absolutely. It's the addictive personality I have. So
0: I can relate to that so much, by the way, like so much, (laughs) like when it came to weed, I had to have the best when it came to going out and drinking, had to do the most I had to keep up. And I, I was like, so like not normal with it. And I agree when you talk about like when you meet someone like our sobriety becomes like such a huge part of us because it's like something we almost conquer And it's a huge part of our life to give up something like that and not even give up, but almost like gain the benefits of not doing it, you know, because for in the beginning of my sobriety, I know it felt like a death. Like I felt like I was like losing my best friend. Like I was a full blown marijuana addict and people are like a weed addict, really? And I was like, it consumed my life, my finances, my life, my mental state, It was something that I could not give up. And it was something that, you know, I would wake up and be like, yeah, I'm not going to smoke today. 11 a.m. I've already taken, you know, 180 gram milligram freaking pill and ripping my pen all day. Like it was like by noon, it was like and then I became so used to it that it just became like my normal state. And I wasn't smoking to feel good or to get high. It was to literally not feel like shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I can totally relate to you when you say I needed the best or I needed to be the best, like I needed to be the best weed smoker. I needed to be the best drinker. And then, you know, it just, I totally relate with that.
1: Yeah. You like lose yourself, you know, and the, the concept of like wake and bake. Right. And then it's like, after you complete a task, let me smoke. And then it's like, who can eat a really good meal without smoking? Right. Like, I need to smoke a joint before I eat this like beautiful chocolate pie. Like or right before dinner like I mean before um, bed I would have to have like who could go to bed without smoking that didn't just make a any, routine didn't make any sense to me so the routine that I had and the habits that I had were just so consuming of my life and I and I realized that if I wanted to be better like really be better and I and like even with research looking around at like who does what, and what characteristics determine a successful individual. Most successful people do not sit around smoking marijuana. Most successful people are not shit faced on a Friday night, you know? Um, And those characteristics, like, that was it, too. But I also realized that that I needed to separate myself. And like you said a moment ago, it was, like, a mourning or, like, a death. I was – I, like, lost friends. I had to recreate new – meaning making of what socializing meant um all of these new ways of living and it was it's really sad to think about when i look when i look back um but i got through it and i and a lot of people use aa a lot of you people use different techniques to stay sober i was i went into intensive therapy and and I did join the AA rooms whenever I felt called to, because it does help me stay sober. If I'm triggered, I'll go to an AA r- like room. I'll go to a Zoom room. I'll go to one of the local AA rooms and just listen or speak if I have to. But I do have some really close friends that are like, they live off of AA. They live and die by AA. Um, but for me, that's just not my thing. And anyone that is listening, I would recommend getting the book Living Sober if you are just starting off in sobriety. Um, and I don't know if you read it, did you read it?
0: No, but I, when I started my journey of recovery, I was in intensive therapy and I realized like the stuff that I needed to work through, I was numbing out with smoking every day or taking, I was taking a lot of pills and, you know, they weren't like hard narcotics, but they were pretty debilitating. And they're like, you know, definitely not great for me. And it was so hard to stop. So I ended up going to rehab for six weeks in Arizona. And I was there with 10 women living in a house. I had three roommates, no phone for six weeks, no phone for six weeks. And that was really hard. And I uncovered a lot of issues that I still struggle with, you know, and it's not something that's just an automatic cure. Like you remove one substance, something else steps in. And it's really important to just be mindful of like why you're doing what you're doing. And um I did uh as many meetings as I could, and I still will go to meetings and I still talk to other alcoholics, and I'm still in my intensive therapy. Um, I, I love AA. I, I don't go as much as I should maybe, but there are so many ways to nourish yourself and to nourish your sobriety or nurture, I think is the better word to nurture your sobriety. So I'll definitely check that book out for sure.
1: Yeah. That book helped me get to like my 60 day mark. So it's a really good book and it helps you see like your, you know, your perspective on like alcohol and drinking and like, you know, your relationship with it.
0: Yeah. You can substitute like alcohol, weed, sex, drugs, love, attention. It all is like interchangeable, which is like, that was pretty bizarre to me that like the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you can substitute the word alcohol for anything and it's all the same little bit different, but it's so interesting how like an addictive mindset and how somebody who is struggling with that can find so much support today. It's really amazing. So if you're struggling, please, uh, reach out and ask for help. You can reach out to me. You could reach out to Cassandra.
1: (laughs) Exactly what you were saying though. Like it's one of those things where You can can attend intensive therapy or AA, do self-help, learn about, like, addictive behaviors. And when you're an addict, if you identify as an addict or an alcoholic, you're going to always – you're not maybe always. That's actually a blanket statement. But you may find yourself finding other coping mechanisms. So, like, it's known, though. It's proven, right? Psychologically speaking, if you're, like, stop drinking alcohol, you're going to want to – eat more sweets. Your body's going to be craving that sugar. So I would end up like having five cookies and a pint of ice cream and not caring. And because I felt good about conquering that day of sobriety. So it was like, that was my reward. But then if you're doing that every night, it's like, now you're addicted to something else. Right. Um, but just the, I think, like you said, being mindful of self-destruction and the key is balance. So I want to move on to like how sobriety has helped me accomplish all my accomplishments. Um, you know, getting my bachelor's degree, getting my master's degree, opening up my businesses would never have happened if I didn't get sober. I utilize, like we just said, we change the addictive personality of alcohol and drugs to now education and I just crushed it I was in school like five six classes per semester didn't even take the summers off I was going ham because I was like this is time for me to like really amp up and like get this done and I did it and I opened up my businesses and I've just been like full speed just planned a whole wedding on my own like a crazy woman who does that (laughs) literally planned a wedding on my own um But with my degree in organizational psychology, I learned how to develop people, develop teams, develop structures, and I was able to utilize what I learned in school in my business, so firsthand. And that, like, to me, was just, like, creating training modules, learning that, like, adults learn differently than children, obviously, right? But, like, how do we get our employees on board with our mission statement? strategizing being how do you how do you do that like how do you get an employee to care
0: about your company and your mission like how do you get someone to go from like clocking in and clocking out to really caring hiring with intention so it's about the right person you can't convert someone
1: no I mean the question was like can you are later's born or trained I want you to I know. feel like they're born so it's a little bit of both they're born <laughs> in- <laughs> what is that nature yeah. versus I need your training <laughs> um it's a little bit of both absolutely so someone has to be motivated first they have to be motivated so you can find someone that doesn't have the skill set but is so eager and passionate and like so impressed and inspired by your organization. And that's the individual that you can definitely get to be your top salesperson or, but if it's an individual, you got to find out their needs, their motivation, and making sure that their values are aligned with yours. So a big thing is, as a business owner, is you need to have your values top of mind. And that needs to be screaming when someone walks in your business like screaming. So when you have that interview, that simple question of like, why do you want to work with us? Or why do you want to work here? You should be assessing that individual hearing what they're saying. Now, if it's that blanket statement, like, I just like think it's a really cool place. Like, yeah, that's not really what you want to hear. If it's someone that's like, this is insp- inspiring to me like I, I myself want to one day own my own business. Like this is the type of person that you're going to coach yourself as a leader because if you're a leader of a business, you're supposed to be coaching this individual. I'll tell you this, Gina. My people that I get hired that I hire here, they outgrow this position within a year. Do I look at that as a bad manager? I could look at that like return or or um my retention. My- retention rate is low, but I don't, I look at it as like, damn, I'm training these people too much, like too fast. And they're like getting so like, they're blowing up and now they're able to move on to the next position. And to me, that, um, that is everything. So how
0: would you talk to a salon owner? And this was me in my first business, I trained people so quickly out of my business, like there was no room for them to even grow. And that was like definitely something that I could grow them to a point. But then the next natural step is for them as a hairstylist, what they see the next natural step being, and what is often the case, and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot here, Cause I have a lot of commission salon owners that listen to me. I have a lot of employee-based salon owners that listen, you know, you take someone out of school, you train them to be the best, you train them to be you, you even feed them clients, you hand them, you know, a career on a platter and yes, they work for it, but it takes much less time for them to build that success. If they're set up and trained and coached at a high level and then they leave and they open their own business and along with them goes the training the clientele and the cash so i believe that commission salons in our industry and you know that's who we're really talking to on this episode that's the majority of my following a lot of commission salon owners feel like they've been left behind they feel that you know burnt out resentful angry jealous feel a lot of negative feelings, and it's very few of them that feel the way that you just described, where somebody moving on and moving up is a is almost a gift that you're able to give them your gift and they can, you know, move forward. I feel the commission salon owners of the future will adapt this mindset and they will focus on training, retaining um, if they can, and really giving that education But many commission salons are going out of business or transitioning to booth rental. And now people coming out of the beauty industry, uh, beauty school, excuse me, don't have any options for training. There are very few commission salons in my area. Now that my first salon, GBH, is closed, we had a wonderful training program. Many salon owners are toxic and they can't hold on to people and they don't want to train and they slow down someone's progress. And some are like the cream will rise to the top, right? So like what advice would you give a salon owner who if what you just described happened to them, they would be watching a hundred grand walk out the door. Like what would you say to them to encourage them to keep going or
1: improve their retention? Like what would you say to them? Everything comes down to the culture of your organization. You should be, the first thing is, No matter how upset you are of this individual leaving your organization or your salon, you should be conducting an exit interview. With that exit interview, you're going to find some key, key facts of why that individual is leaving or how to promote the job for the next individual to stay with you. For instance, I'll give you an example. Personally, for my own small business, my exit interview told me that the individual didn't like being alone for long periods of time. Guess what? There is someone out there that likes to be alone for long periods of time. Mm. It's like this is going to be an opportunity for you to be alone a lot of the time and maybe do some self-growth. Right? This is a good opportunity for you to think of outside the box rather than feeling so much micromanagement. So finding ways to impact your next employee positively rather than taking that and resenting resent being resentful
0: yeah that's like the worst most toxic trait feeling emotion it's actually my number one going away from emotion I do not want to feel resentful and I found for me the best ways to avoid resentment are to show and practice vulnerability and healthy boundaries like I have to be able to to be myself and I I found like when in my first business, I decided to close it and we were doing very well when I closed, but I had a lot of people ready to kind of go booth rental. And I looked at myself and I said, do I really want to train an entire new team right now? And I said, no, I wanted to train on the road and travel and have people pay me to learn from me instead of paying people to learn from me. And I made that decision for myself, but I know a lot of salon owners feel like, I don't know if I want to do this and they don't have the opportunity that I had to just, I opened a salon down the street that was booth rental. I got rid of that salon and I started training and traveling, but most people, this is their whole life and livelihood and they don't want to leave. So instead they hold back. They're not their full selves. They lose passion for education and training and they are so afraid to give because they don't want
1: it taken. Yeah. Like we said, like you know they're fearful that fear will drive you to not perform at the right level and at the end of the day your culture is going to determine whether or not people want to stay with you that's it and then if you're not looking at the, the growth mindset is what essentially it is you're not looking at it from a growth mindset like wow you're growing people wow you're allowing people to evolve wow you're doing a gift you're you're like you're you're you are amazing. Like you're helping people, then you're just going to have that resentment and resentment. What is that going to do? Really? It's going to just be turmoil. It's going to, mm.
0: it what, it's what feeds our addictions.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: It's literally the miracle grow for addictions, resentment. But so he- what do you think? Did you have something you want to say? I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry.
1: It's, I was just thinking about the boundaries part where you were saying how like creating those healthy boundaries you know I wanted to like just dig deep on that and go for it you know boundaries are just I think my clients love that discussion the most because when we think of boundaries we're thinking about like holding ourselves um like there, there are parameters and what in which we live by and where people can live like near us right like if we think of it that way like this is this is my limit and that's your limit to what you can come close to me but boundaries are like everything time boundaries like people don't think about that like how off like how often are you on your phone responding to your employees do you send emails to your employees on the weekends when they're off or at night do like these are boundaries and if you're key, if you're consistent with your boundaries with your employees and vice versa, there's gonna be a level of respect that they're I never ever would call my employer or text my employee on their day off.
0: I'd love to share a boundary that I set right before this this phone call um, and you saying that just helped just like made me realize like wow, I just successfully set a boundary and it was just something like i hit a breaking point um i have wonderful managers here at the network they are amazing and what we've been doing since they started a year ago is weekly team meeting and it's been great you know it's been awesome we've been doing check-ins i've been like working with them but the meeting was at the wrong time for me the meeting was every wednesday and it was after my mastermind calls. And on my mastermind calls, I leave feeling so inspired and I want to create. I want to stay in that flow. I want to do a podcast recording. I want to create content. I want to write an ebook. I want to um, do a course or plan a course, or I want to create a new piece of content, or I want to shoot a hair video, or I want to do something. But instead, I go right into a meeting, I switch gears, and then I lose all motivation that I curated by speaking during my mastermind calls, which is essentially me just talking to my audience um, and my me- my members about stuff going on with them. So I just had a meeting with um, one of my managers, and I was like, I'm feeling a little bit burnt out because the only time I'm able to get into flow, which is like the best place for artists, is to get into that flow where you don't even feel like you're working and you're able to create. And it's almost like God comes in and gives you what you need to create. It helps you with your gifts. I said, the only time I'm able to be in flow currently is during my calls and when I'm traveling and teaching. And at this rate, I'm not going to be able to sustain. So I need to move this meeting to the first Friday of every month. I don't need to do them every week. We've gotten to the point where you know, the meetings are not as productive as they need to be. Like we're just chatting and catching up, but I'd rather have more time once a month and then one-on-ones with you guys once a month instead of feeling guilty that I don't meet with you one-on-one. And I had to have a major scheduling revamp and set those time boundaries so that I can do what I need to do, get into flow, because I'm an artist. Like I am an artist. There's artist managers, entrepreneurs. You could be an artist and have those traits. But, like, if you're an artist, you're an artist, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, to me, my business does the best when I'm creating. And I had to figure out a way to break the chain of events and fix it because I was like, I'm getting burnt out. I haven't created, I mean, I'm traveling and teaching, and I feel the most alive when I'm live teaching, talking to people, and connecting with people. That's my my place. I was like, realistically, that can't be the only time I feel like this. I'm going to die. <laughs> right. And my manager was just like, okay. And I, I moved it and I'm so excited. I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders because I simply set a boundary of where I need to control my time. Cause as an entrepreneur, don't you feel that that's one of the hardest things is to manage your own time. Cause you don't have anyone managing
1: it for you. Absolutely. I do. I do feel that way. I feel like it's very, very hard. What I think what's fascinating, what you were talking about, though, is the idea of looking at your schedule and realizing, okay, I don't have all the time in the world to sit here and meet with you, you know, every once a week because you just don't. Right. You could do it once a month. And so many people are living a life where they have to. They think they have to host these weekly meetings. Or they have a meeting that could have been an email. That is creating a culture. You know what? You probably feel relieved, but your managers probably feel so much more relief.
0: I hope they do because I feel guilty sometimes. I feel like I'm not meeting with them enough or I'm not doing enough because in the past I have checked out. And then like, we don't need to do this. And then I don't do it enough and it backfires. So it is finding that balance of like what's needed. And like the most important thing I think is to be 100% present and there and engaged with them instead of just checking off a box. And over the last few weeks, I've just felt like I'm so overwhelmed switching gears on that one day that I need to just figure out, I need to like break the system. And I was like, so relieved right before I got on this call, I was like, God, I feel so much better. And I know I'll be better. for them. And it's, it's a constant thing. You know, when you have employees, it's a constant thing because we, I have great people. I want them here forever, but I also know I want to train them and give them the tools that they need. So if they were to grow out of this position that I can always be a mentor for them and that it's never on bad terms because I agree with you. And it took a lot of growth for me to get to the point where I didn't hate people who quit. Yeah, like, I hated people who quit and now it's so crazy because a lot of my stylists came back and they work at the network. The ones who used to work for me, they came back here and it goes to show some growth because I was very mad at them. You know, I'd be like, how could you leave? How could you leave? You know, um, after everything I gave you, you know, and I was in that like toxic
1: place. Yeah. It's it's beautiful to grow and be able to reflect on like where you where you were and where you are now. Um, and as a leader, I just want to add is what you were saying is, True leadership is to be able to walk away and know that the people are going to do the best thing for your business without you having to stand there or be there or be so involved. And it's almost like parenting, you know, like some parents feel like they need to be helicopter mothers or constantly over their child to ensure that they're doing the right thing. But if you train your employees, you know, utilizing an organizational development practitioner such as myself, maybe, um, to really be, uh, I guess, aligned with your mission and your values, you're going to be able to walk away and know and have clear confidence, clear, con- like, conscious that your employees are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And if you have that open lines of communication, I think that's another boundary is what you need to have, right? When you first start working with one of your maybe salon techs or any of your employees, like, how do you like to communicate? Because not everyone likes to text, And not everyone likes to email. So it's not that you want to curate different ways to communicate with every single person, but you want to meet people where they are. And then that gives them that autonomy and that self-respect and that dignity to be able to work for you the way that you want them to. So like, say for instance, Sarah only likes to text message. You text her only when she's working and you find out what she needs and what she doesn't need and making sure that that communication is open. I love that. Yeah, because it's important. Some people do not want their boss texting them. They find it very, um, almost like a boundary crust. mm
0: That's a great, I love the, I love what you said about the exit interview. And I wanna circle back to that shortly, but that is so smart to like really ask people instead of just assuming, it's like the love language. Like you can't assume someone, you can't assume someone's love language is the same as yours. Like everybody is different.
1: Yeah, I had a um, a client of mine that reached out to me very upset that their employee just quit and she believed that, this person believed that their employee had stole from them. So they didn't wanna have any exit interview at all. They were just so livid that their employee left them, stole from them, all these narratives that this person created about their employee. And I'm like, well, how are we going to be able to market your position for the future? How are we going to understand why this individual left? Maybe there is something toxic about yourself. Are you not? Do you not want to hold that mirror up? Are you fearful to learn about yourself?
0: I think a lot of people are so hurt that they're
1: terrified. And I think it's just separating that emotion from objectivity. If you're owning a business, I get it. You are in it for either your passion, for your love. For like your passion, your love, or for financial success, or maybe a little bit of both. But at the end of the day, you're working with people, and people are complicated. And you need to understand why these people are coming and why they're going and how to market that. Now, imagine if everyone came to your salon only to be a blonde, right? They didn't want any brunettes. You're learning that. That's data right there. Why aren't people coming to be brunettes? Did someone have a bad... <gasps> oh, let's look at Reddit. Somebody just talked about us doing terrible brunette here. Like, let's now let's revamp. Let's do this. Whatever it is. That's an example, right? So we get information by looking at contacts, like what happened? How did that happen? And being vulnerable enough to open yourself
0: up to those difficult conversations. I think there's an art to having a difficult conversation. And that's something that I'm struggling and mastering every day because I believe truly with all of my being that one difficult conversation a day makes me a stronger woman. Like I need to be able to have those conversations, but really quick, I want to circle back to, we talked about the exit interview a little bit What are some questions that you add to your exit interview or you think are must ask questions? And you don't have to give me 20 of them, but even just one or two, like must ask questions where you can get the most information.
1: Right before I say that, to be a great leader, you need to be able to have conversations that are surrounded by conflict. Like you need to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. So I'm glad you're doing that challenge every day. As for exit interviews, uh, the best questions that I find get the, it's like, what did you like about this posi- position? What did you like about this position? Simple. Um, what are some of the things that you're leaving learning or that you have learned? Another thing that you want, might wanna ask is, how would you describe me as a leader? I'm taking notes <laughs> and then uh, another question that you can ask is if you were to um, and this is a question that you would say if you were to speak to a new hire or potential new hire how would you describe this position
0: how do you get someone to be honest with you
1: psychological safety So psychologically safe safety is what you were talking about earlier is being able to be your true self, be vulnerable, and you're able to do that from the beginning, from the first interview to the training, and you do that when you incorporate certain tactics through your training. So um, creating a psychological safe space would be something as simple as right in the beginning. Hey, um. I'm totally open to how you're feeling. If you're having a bad day, I need to know because then I will be more gracious towards you. But if you don't tell me that, then I'm gonna hold that against you. So just be honest with me. If you're having a bad day and then maybe a couple of weeks down the road, you get on the phone with your employee, I'm having such a terrible day. Being honest, letting them know like, hey, I'm human or making mistakes and being honest about making mistakes. You know what? I dropped the ball, Sam. I did. I didn't open the store on time. And guess what? We lost the sale. As the owner saying that to your employee do you know what they think of they don't think that you're incompetent they think that you're a human and they respect that they really respect- love that so those are the key questions and they're going to give you so much information and then you're able to then formulate job descriptions for the future potential employees and also understand your organization a little bit better Totally.
0: Now, you said something else earlier that I wanted to touch back on. You said the culture determines everything in your business. What would you say are some cultural red flags? Ooh, it's good. And you could take your time to think about it too, because we didn't plan this. This is totally like, uh, I was like, let's just talk and see where it goes. And I in the salon you know a lot of cultural red flags like for us is like that quiet quitting mindset like that checking out and i'd love to touch on that later if you're open to it but i would love to talk about cultural red flags that you've seen or if you're talking to one of your coaching clients and they're like well this is how it is and you're like ooh that's a red flag let's work on that is there anything that you could think of on the spot?
1: Yes. It's um, toxic management styles where like you say you want your employees to perform at one level, but then when they perform at that level, you find another thing that they're doing incorrectly. So you're not having a complete like real um, way to assess your, like your employees. You're, you're not having clear key performance indicators essentially. So like, how are you able to assess the performance of your employees and then be okay with them. So let's say, let's give you an example. You're, um, you want that every client that comes into your salon to wait no longer than five minutes for their appointment. That is one of your hard boundaries. Anyone that's waiting more than five minutes, we're going to have a conversation. But you are overbooking this individual. And you're allowing the customers to change their mind when they get in the seat right? So now you have this person that came in just for a touch up on their roots, but now they want a haircut and they're thinking about doing some extensions. How is this your, that's toxic management style. So if you're going to be strategic on your like boundaries, your time boundaries, you have to be mindful of what, is there any flexibility? Is there not? And like, how are you working with your employees to ensure that you're not being a toxic manager?
0: Yeah. They're set up to fail. So it's saying like, I want you to upsell, But if when you run behind, I don't have any support for you. So like a solution for that as a salon owner with experience, I would say is always having a stylist available. So you might have someone on the schedule who's not booked. You don't cut them. They're available to assist and to help and to maybe greet that guest, get them set up, get them draped, and then take over the blow dry for the person who got upsold and, and the stylist will have support. You can't expect people to just move on and and like be perfect if you want them to do one thing. Like you're you're rewarding them on high service sales, but there's no support. When they do try to get high service sales, they're gonna get coached for running late. That makes no sense.
1: None. So, and also just like picking your battles, like, wh- like, what is your culture? Like, what is it? Like, what really matters is, is it your employee getting on time or is it making sure your customer is happy? Like, what is your culture? What do you want? Like, you know, I have uh personally, I had clients that were upset because some of their employees would restock shelves, but they were the best sellers. They just would not restock the shelves. Are you going to be upset with them? Are you going to write them up? Picking your battles.
0: Picking your battles and just making sure you have support. Like we have such high expectations sometimes that we need to like lower our expectation and just focus on the most important things.
1: Objective. Exactly. Yes. I I love that. It's amazing. And you know, I I love what I do because I get to like, I see the light bulb go off in some people's heads when I, when I talk to my clients, you're just like, "Uh uh-huh. I didn't know i could do that or wow i'm gonna implement that and then we circle back and it's they're just like whoa that that really helped with that situation and you know you could see some people you know people will argue for their limitations so no matter what someone might be listening to this right now i'm like nope nope that won't work nope people will argue for their limitations um but you know if you're really interested in growing as a leader and growing your business and being a good leader, then you will, you know, reflect on your own management styles, your leadership tactics, and also just reach out to me. Let's, let's, <laughs> if you're interested in working on like creating training modules for your employees or anything that I can do to support you.
0: Yeah. I would definitely say you're a good person for people to reach out to. Um, I do coaching as well, but like I, I work on, I work on all different kinds of stuff and, um, I feel like I would feel super comfortable with people reaching out to you, like as a coach and help with the stuff, especially for commission salon owners and people who have a high level of, en- or a high amount of employees. I feel like a lot of people can really benefit from your perspective and your systems.
1: Yeah. It's important too, because there's a lot of like, um. Uh- like there's coaches, organizational development practitioners, there's psychologists, there's therapists, there's all these different outlets to help with. But just knowing that as an organizational psychologist, I look at things from a very psychological standpoint. So I use psychological principles. And that's why when we talk about psychological safety and like being able to get honesty from your employees, that's coming from training of like being able to create those systems with employees. Um and i'm happy that like i'm happy that you got brought me on here and i'm happy to help in any way that i can any way that you could see me benefit you or anybody that you know that's like what i do i love helping
0: yeah totally i there's definitely a future here um i also have another question um do you have time i do like a little bit of time okay because i know we're going to go over slightly but i want to just make sure check your boundary with that you know um <laughs> You say that you talk, you shared that you focus a lot on psychology, the psychology. And I, I'm super fascinated by generations. Like I'm really fascinated by like baby boomers, generation X, like all of the different generations. And there's a big conversation going around about like generation. uh, What is it? Generation Gen Z's. And how people just don't want to work and like there's this like whole like and we if you look at history, older generations always trash newer generations and newer generations always trash older generations. It's definitely a pattern. Right. And. A lot of people are talking about quiet quitting, and I'd like to do an episode on this, Um, possibly our next episode will be on quiet quitting because I'm just so fascinated by it. And they say it's mostly like Gen Z people. It's like, you know, if I saw a post on a hair forum the other day and it was a salon owner saying that her employee was like, you can't talk to me like that. And she quit on the spot. I feel like the newer generation, younger people, especially with what they see on TikTok, what they see on Instagram and the culture and the workplace that's moving, like the great resignation during COVID and people being able to work from home. And, you know, you work from home, you can get all of your eight hours of work done in four hours and you're not bullshitting and pretending to be busy in the other four hours. Um, And if you want me to be productive for eight hours, pay me more. You know, I totally can see that side, right? And I also see the other side of, you know, going above and beyond being like, if you want to move up in the workplace and if you want to have your own business, that work ethic of like going all in, coming in early, staying late, doing what has to be done, maybe having side hustles on the side, whatever it might be. So I understand both sides of it, right? Right. And I, I work on both sides of it because I do work in corporate and I do work on my own business and I'm an entrepreneur. So I'm the type to always go above and beyond, but I need to check myself when I'm doing too much. Right. So I guess my question for you is what advice would you give a business owner of any generation? To deal with the expectations of the newer generations or the expectations of the workplace in general, knowing that a lot of people are demanding more. People want more money. They want more time. uh, They want perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. With, like, the quiet queening itself, you know, it's the concept of people leaving the organization by, like, not performing up to the best ability, right? Like, they're they're there, but they're not really there. And then they end up leaving. Um,
0: Or they don't leave and they Uh just decide, like, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. And if people want me to do more, pay me more. But, like, I feel like that also – is, and I just want to clarify what it is before we talk about it too. It's like quiet quitting is like, I've been going above and beyond here for two years and I haven't gotten anywhere. So I'm just literally going to do the bare minimum. And if they want to promote me or if they want to pay me more, they could do that. But until then I'm doing the bare minimum, which is the opposite of how you get promotions and raises. So it's like this culture going around about quiet quitting being like a trend or whatever is like almost people trying to hold other people down so they can Get yeah, it's almost it's very toxic. Well, this, this idea. What do you say?
1: I would say doing um, first, when you hire, you have to be very clear on pay structures, right? So you don't want to start them too high because then they're going to be loser motivation. And also recognize that not everyone is motivated by money. Some people are motivated intrinsically or extrinsically, right? So intrinsically, they're going to be motivated by maybe the culture or how they feel when they walk in the place or how they leave. Act- extrinsically, could be something as like, um, money coming in their hands, something that's that they could feel or some type of award for being like the best stylist in the salon. These are things that, uh, you know, employees are going to feel. So you got to find out what motivates them. And you can simply ask your employee, like what motivates you? And that will give you a, a very basic understanding. And then you could see by how they perform and whether or not they're really aligned with their motivating factor. So let's say, for instance, I had an employee that was motivated solely by money. Those people you need to be very careful with because are they going to steal your clients and maybe take them home so they can make the most money? Or are they going, like people, you know. So understanding their motivating factors is really important so that you can meet them where they need to be met. Um, But when it comes to quiet quitting, ultimately checking in getting a pulse, like you said a moment ago, those one-on-ones, having real conversations. Have you been looking for other positions? Like, are you interested in maybe moving? Do you see yourself being here for the next six months? What can I do to make sure that you're gonna be here for a year? When you're hiring, saying, I'm only hiring people that are gonna be committed here for at least two years. So it gives them that baseline, that understanding of where you're at. Now, people tend to show you who they are right away. And if you believe that, you'll see that. I haven't hired from one of my stores in a little while because no one has proved themselves to me. Simply by like having an interview set up, not showing up on time or saying they want the position, but then taking two days to respond to the email. How much do you really want it? And as a business owner, that's can to be scary because we need those people in the store to make money. And we, need, but like hiring with intention, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation, hiring with intention, being very specific and trusting your gut. And waiting for the right person if it's
0: necessary. Like sometimes you just have to wait. Anyone I've ever hired out of desperation never works out. And then we spend so much time training them and it was all for nothing. Mm -hmm. Training and hiring someone is one of the most expensive things. And people don't realize that. They think, well, I'm showing up for you. They don't realize uh, how expensive it is for an employee or employer. You know, what would you say to someone who's in the midst of quiet quitting? They're like, you know, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. What would you say to someone to motivate them or to like, what would you say to somebody? like who's just burnt out and they're like, yeah, I don't want to give any more to this. I'm going to be here, but I'm going to do the bare minimum and and just focus on my life.
1: So there are two things you can do, right? You can either one, talk to the leader, talk to the manager, let them know that you're feeling that way, right? Like be honest,
0: dare to have a difficult
1: conversation. There you go. The second thing is, curate, spend some time on it like Friday afternoon. Actually, no, you're probably out. Sorry. That's probably what I would do on a Friday night is right? like write some stuff up, but like on an evening or afternoon at the coffee shop and look at job descriptions that really make you excited. Figure out what it is that you want to do and how much you want to make and create that job description for yourself and bring it to the leader and say, this is what I want to do for you for this amount of money. Is this something you could see me doing for you? If not, I'm going to be another difficult conversation. If not, I'm going to be utilizing this job description to find something.
0: So instead of checking out and not working to your full potential and doing the bare minimum, and I feel it does fuel resentment. My therapist, I was talking with her about this and I was like, what do you think about quiet quitting? Because I'm so, and I'm so fascinated by that because I felt it. And I've quiet quit as a salon owner. I've, ch- I've done the bare minimum and focused on something else. I've quiet quit on my clients when I wasn't charging them enough. And when, you know, I didn't have a clientele that I wanted and I was like, screw it. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. Like I've done it. And then I've also tried to coach people through it. I know when someone's quit and haven't left yet. I know it. I can sense it. I can see it. I can see they go from being like star performer to just bare minimum. And it's so frustrating. It's like how, do you motivate and inspire someone? And I think you hit the nail on the head with the difficult conversations and creating the job that you want. And what is what are they going to say? They're going to say no. Like, when do you think it's time to actually quit?
1: It's it's time to actually quit when you are like, you don't, you dread walking into that building. And you've tried. Yeah, nothing is worth it. And I, like I said, I have seen it myself too. Um, These individuals, Cannot have those difficult conversations. That's why they end up leaving or quiet quitting because they don't know how to. So it's about getting that confidence and recognizing that your voice matters. And when you're training these people in the beginning, it's like framing it from the perspective as they are the expert. Like I'm training you to be the expert. That in itself is like such a fulfilling, great – confidence builder and like now they're an expert with you so it's like a partnership you have to establish and with that you're always checking in with them as an equal you know true leadership isn't like about being authoritative or authoritarian like being authoritarian style where it's like you're gonna do this for me and this is what your hours are it's checking in and being flexible it's a it's a very with compassion and empathy top of mind I
0: love it I think this conversation was so amazing.
1: I loved it. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I loved it too. I had so much fun. It's like, just like you said a moment ago, how like you, when you get on stage and you're feeling alive and you, when you're talking with your people, it makes you feel so much more alive. This makes me feel alive is talking to business owners like yourself and visionaries and individuals that want more. Cause that's where, what I work with. I work with people individuals that want more and I love to help that's what awesome. I do. Awesome. Where can people find you? So you can find me at the real, like the reels that we have on Instagram, R E E L Cassie. C A. I love it. The real Cassie C A S S I E no E I dropped the E back in like what? 2006. Just kidding. She crushed it. <laughs> the real Cassie C A S S I
0: go follow her. Um, and I think we definitely should do stuff in the future. And I'm so grateful for your generosity of, uh, you know, everything that you shared and your openness about your sobriety, because I think that more people need to hear that there is a life beyond drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, even if you drink or smoke or you're not sober, you're still welcome on this (laughs) to listen to this podcast. Uh, But I think it's really um, empowering and I think it's very brave of you to share those things so i appreciate that too but um thank you so much
1: you're very welcome it was absolute pleasure and i hope one day we could do it again or we could work on something else together yeah absolutely thank you so much cassie i will talk
0: to you soon All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Be sure to write a rating or review if you like this episode and be sure to join us in Mastermind where we do weekly coaching calls every single week. And we have tons of content to help you grow your business and elevate your career. Talk to you all soon.